0: Welcome to The Main Perspective, episode one of the podcast series, Trust Across Race and Culture, The Pandemic Impact. I'm your host, Regina Wharton, HR executive, strategist, community leader, mentor, and most important, WIE advisor. Let's begin with an introduction of the podcast series. Through the eyes and voices of multicultural women, we will examine the history of the Women's Intercultural Exchange, also known as WIE, and dig deep into what's been happening with race and culture from the WIE lens. The principles of WIE was founded on cross-cultural discussions on race with women of color and men who entered into the conversation as the champions. WIE has been in existence for over 14 years and is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. As we look at the WIE journey, we will hear how the partnership with the main event evolved out of a long-term connection and passion for helping women share their voices and how the pandemic plays a role with uncovering deeply rooted racism. The question is, are we all in this together? Critical information that frames this series includes the following. The coronavirus pandemic is hitting Black and brown Americans especially hard. Thought first to be a great equalizer, affecting people of all races, backgrounds, income levels, and demographics, it's now clear COVID-19 has magnified the systemic inequalities that exist in our nation. African Americans are dying at disproportionately higher rates compared to other ethnicities and comprise 58% of COVID-19 deaths nationally. Social conditions, structural racism, and other factors elevate the risk of diagnosis and deaths. African-Americans are more likely to live in viral hotspots. And lastly, Latinos and Native Americans are also greatly affected. Let me introduce our speakers, the founders of the podcast. Rhonda Caldwell, CEO, The Main Event, an innovative entrepreneur. Stephanie Counts, CEO, Emeriti, founder, the Women's Intercultural Exchange, WIE, and retired corporate executive. Sandra James, immediate past CEO of WIE and retired executive. Ladies, let's have a dialogue. Rhonda, let's start with you. Talk about the main event. How did you get started? We wanna hear about your journey to be a successful entrepreneur.
1: Thank you, Regina. I'll start with upon um, completing my education at UNC Charlotte and working for 12 years in corporate America as a marketing director for Broadway and Seymour, Jack Henry and Associates, I'll add because they did merge. I decided to follow my passion to create an event and marketing company, which you all know as the main event. And now thinking back, you know, I, I was a recently divorced mother of a three-year-old and starting a business, this was going to be a major risk. But what I found more challenging was the prejudice I faced in a predominantly white industry. I realized that conversations changed when I walked into the room. Doors were closed. And they continue to be 12 years later. But hard work, determination, locating mentors and sponsors won over as I was building and creating this company. But I will add faith. Entrepreneurship equals faith. And I'm sure every entrepreneur will agree with me um, with that.
0: Thank you. Stephanie, join the conversation. Let's talk about WIE. Give us an overview of how WIE started and and why it started.
2: Thank you, Regina. I'm very pleased to be here today and to be able to uh, talk about that, especially with my colleagues, um, Rhonda and Sandy. Uh, In 2004, Dee Dixon, the publisher of Pride Magazine, and I saw a need within the Charlotte Mecklenburg community for women of color to come together to discuss unique opportunities and challenges that they were facing. We knew that there were... 32.7 million women of color in the United States representing 723 billion in purchasing power. And we also knew what was projected that in the market as it would grow, there would be 36.8 million by 2008 with a trillion dollars in buying power. Women of color had all of this education, buying power. They 1.4 million companies generated almost generating almost 147 billion in sales. The firms that they owned were growing at six times the rate of the growth of the economy. But all told, the women of color owned 21% of U.S privately held, women-owned firms. Yet despite this achievement, only 1.6% of Fortune 500 corporate officers were women of color. That was very damning to us, and we wanted to see what the nuances of these women were. With these facts in hand and believing that corporations and policymakers around the country needed a wake up call, we convened a hundred influential African-American, Asian, American Indian, mixed race Hispanic women from the Charlotte Mecklenburg area uh, at a meeting that we call What Women of Color Want. That was in March of 2005. At this event, these women discussed the issues they faced and in business and the personal issues. We had a nationally renowned company um, develop the um, survey that we used. We were so pleased that these women were honest and forthcoming. And we asked some questions in the area of career, finance, market power, and health. The results were stunning. When we got the results of, of this survey, one of the things that stood out to us was this area of trust, because we did talk about that. And the area of, in the area of trust, African American women only had 22% level of trust for Caucasian women. And that, again, was shocking. But also, what was going on in our city, uh, it fit right in. There was an influx of other cultures coming into Charlotte. And also, we had just had um, a survey done by Dr. Robert Putnam from Harvard University where you looked at numerous cities and Charlotte fared one and two in faith and philanthropy, but 39 out of 40 in racial trust. So with those three factors, we thought it was time to move to the next level. So what we did is in June of 2005, we reconvened the women uh, from the March meeting And we expanded the invitation to include white women for the inaugural town hall. And that's where we made the announcement that we would be forming a company called the Women's Intercultural Exchange. Based on the results, we thought it was very important to stick to trust. This was not a leadership uh, organization. Our mission was to build and bridge social capital among women of diverse cultures, foster cross-cultural awareness, and develop the infrastructure and community dialogue through engagement and programming. We really got a great start. We were recognized immediately by national companies like Working Mother Media and Catalyst, had wonderful volunteers, and we really, accomplished a lot in the last uh, 14 years.
0: Sandy, join us as the most recent CEO of WIE. Share with us from your view, the greatest accomplishments that frame the WIE brand, especially around building trust.
3: Thanks Regina. Uh, Stephanie just outlined the compelling reason why WIE was formed. And thinking back over the years, WIE has always pursued the goal of building collaborative relationships that bridge cultural divides and create a more cohesive community. And we have that long history includes partnering with businesses, academia, institutions, and nonprofits that share this vested interest and I've given this some thought, and over, over the 14 plus years that WIE has been uh, around, we have worked with over 50 corporations and businesses, uh, 10 schools, and over 20 nonprofits and institutions. So it, we have really wanted to pursue that. And one of the things I think that describes the strengths the best is that in our 10th year, uh, for our 10th anniversary, we uh, applied to the Duke Interdisciplinary Social Innovators Program at Duke University to uh, be a recipient of a, a study. Um, we, were, we received that uh, award and it was fantastic. We were able to complete a strategic evaluation of our impact over a 10 year period and the qualitative information came from interviews and surveys with a lot of our stakeholders and it was quite clear there in their summation that the core strength that WIE has is the mission of building trust across race and culture at that time among women and now uh, we have added men to the mix which has uh, made it even better um, let me just note a few of the core programs that are considered to be some of our strongest. Um, The first being our cross-cultural conversations. Those are particularly impactful because they are facilitated conversations, uh, small groups, very diverse, people who don't know each other, who sit in living rooms, they have four to six sessions over a year's time, and uh, we have found that they're, honestly, it's, it's probably uh, one of our most impactful programs. We also have had a tremendous amount of conferences and town halls, and for me in particular, the town hall experience was my point of access. I attended a town hall um, with really wanting to get, be surrounded by diversity. I felt that uh, my world looked like me. I, I didn't have an access point, I didn't know how to find that and uh, it was sort of like going from the desert <laughs> to, to to hydrating myself and, and, and my world became much more whole and as a result I became a mentor, I became a member, I, uh, I became a board member. Uh, the impact of those programs is really uh, on a different level because they involve so many more people. The Champions Group, uh, it's a very organic group of men who came together some years ago and have increased, I think that they have at least 100 men now to participating in a, a cross cultural dialogue on a monthly basis and also One of our really impactful program was with Covenant Presbyterian Church. Um, It was called Wake Up Charlotte, and it was a four-part series. Uh, Many members of the church came. It really broadened our audience. Many people came for sort of the same reason that I came to a town hall. And we had such amazing feedback from the surveys, and over 300 people ended up coming to that program. And the last program I want to mention is our Mentoring Across Difference program. That program, uh, it, it pairs mentors with mentees across difference. We have, as of now, probably over 125 alumni, and we've been in touch with some of them and hope that they will make the next generation of mentors. And the, the I think the, the the Mayor's Award, when they gave us this award a couple years ago, I think they noted the most uh, important part of this, because there are a lot of mentoring programs in Charlotte. They they noted us for the unique um, approach of across difference mentoring, which through studies has shown to to have greater impact. So I guess our Our primary strength and value is in facilitating conversations. And let me say a few things about the main event uh, and why I think that would be a strong collaboration. The main event, Rhonda has been involved for a long time, and we are especially excited because it's a woman-led company. And she brings such expertise as a senior executive in the work that she does in putting together really highly complicated Programs uh, uh, that span a lot of different uh, a lot of different types of programs um, I believe through my conversations with Rhonda that she's expressed an interest in adding depth to her efforts she wants to support a cause she wants to promote a deeper understanding and this is so mutually beneficial for us and comes at the greatest time and we've had other collaborations in the past like this, for instance, with Southern Shows and I want to thank uh, Joan Zimmerman for partnering with us over many years to bring programs to the forefront to broaden our audience. We talked about all kinds of things in those programs, including health, and they were very, very valuable.
0: Thank you, Sandy. Uh, You were bringing back all the memories that I have around the different events and initiatives with WIE. So thank you for sharing. It's now clear through COVID-19 that systemic inequalities exist in our nation. It's it's clear. How can WIE be relevant during this pandemic? Well,
2: Regina. I'd like to just take a stab at it and uh, Sandy and Rhonda, please add, Um, I have always said that education is needed uh, around our cultural differences. Matter of fact, the biggest form of prejudice is lack of education. And I believe that now that we have become aware of COVID-19 and what it brings to what it brings to the various cultures i think that it's time for us to come together and share and support each other in ways that we may not even know until we get a better understanding from our um from across culture and that's what this program that we're doing is all about is typically when there are pandemics which we haven't experienced before but uh economic uh, drawbacks in a community. Communities of color isolate and go to their own zones. What we're wanting to happen through our WIE and through the work that we're doing with champions is to bring those communities of color to the center so that we can all share and work together hand in hand to eliminate racism as well as to help with the issues that we are experiencing now with COVID-19.
1: And Regina, I'm also going to interject um, because over the years we've worked with clients who authentically um, believe in diversity, inclusion, um, women, equity, and justice. And by way of the pandemic, um, we are proud to add a d D&I division to the main event, um, enabling us to provide the toolkits for a lot of our clients who are wanting to seek change. I mean, we hear that constantly each day now about corporations as um, Stephanie mentioned um, before that they feel like they have, they have failed um, some of the, the cultures that are within their organization. And so, so by way of adding um, this component, um, we're, we're definitely hopeful that it's going to, to lead to other things and help us in representing our global community.
3: That's great, Uh, Rhonda. I I really feel like the power of social media, which is something you're very well versed in, is our best tool right now. And podcasts are going to give us the means to to lean in closer through a virtual medium. And, you know, I I was thinking about this the other day, that statistics are important. And of course, we're reading a lot about statistics around what's going on, but they're one-dimensional. Uh, What we wanna bring to the table is a way to understand and build trust across difference, because this is the common denominator that uh, underlies everything that's going on right now. Um, In particular, communities of color have have paid the heaviest price, frankly, with their lives. And there's a national reckoning over systemic racism. Uh, I'm really uh, amazed at the new uh, waves of hope, the new voices that are being expressed. And I'd really like for us to capture some of that um, through this podcast.
1: Absolutely, and, and the main perspective is a platform for honest conversations and dialogue, which as Sandy mentioned is, is very important. Um, and that's the way of the world right now is, is having honest conversations. Um, and of course we will continue to have provocative and relevant topics each week Um, as we continue to grow this podcast um, here in our community and beyond.
0: So thank you, thank you all. Share what we can expect. So just share a little more about what we can expect with this podcast series.
2: Well, what we are attempting to do is to examine the cultural differences and the nuances and the the issues that they 're facing, because I think again, everybody is thinking about themselves and their families, and that's great, but until we are able to join hands and work together and understand what everybody is facing, I think that we would be a pretty isolated uh, world, and we want to we want to these podcasts are wonderful because they will definitely lean in on the issues that various cultures are facing. Excellent. Well,
0: thank you all. Thank you all. We appreciate you. Uh, Thank you, listeners. Join us next week as we dig deeper into trust across race and culture with a Black and White Conversation.